Good morning, everyone. I hope you're not too chilly. <laughs> there are a line of sun worshipers in the back in case you get cold. Well, I want to thank you all for participating in this very remarkable weekend. Someone remarked yesterday that this was the most spiritual day I've ever had. And I think it was a sentiment shared by many. I'll read this morning's reading from Rays of the One Light. These are weekly commentaries comparing the essence of the Bible and the essence of the Bhagavad Gita. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Last week, we contemplated the well-known story of Martha and Mary. Traditionally, this story has been offered to show the two classic approaches to salvation, the first through action and the second through prayer. The excuse of the Marthas of this world has always been the church needs its Marthas too. Treatises, moreover, have been written to justify the Martha approach to piety, praising her for her self-sacrifice as perhaps an even higher demonstration of devotion. Thus do the unmeditative in religion try to justify themselves. Yet the fact remains that Jesus rebuked Martha. Elsewhere, moreover, he spoke of the virtue of feeding the hungry, curing the sick, and housing those who were homeless. It wasn't that he disapproved of serving people. Wrong attitude was the object of his criticism. What he was criticizing was forgetfulness of the true goal of right spiritual action. Good deeds, outwardly, without inner communion with God, will result in good karma, but will not bring final freedom from all karma. The path to inner freedom was described by Paramahansa Yogananda in these words, Be always calmly active and actively calm. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the second chapter, He who is not shaken by anxiety during times of sorrow, nor elated during times of happiness, who is free from egoic desires and their attendant fear and anger. I'm going to reread that last one. He who is free from egoic desires and their attendant fear and anger, such a one is of steady discrimination. Do your duty in life, so counsels this great scripture elsewhere, but never lose sight of him to whom all action should be dedicated. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Good morning, everyone. I too want to welcome you all and 
Thank you for an extraordinary weekend. So many, many people made this really memorable and I think did uh, fitting honor to Swamiji. I'd like to start by reading from Whispers from Eternity. Receive the orphans and the stricken. They have come to thy door. The orphans and the stricken have heard of thy healing power. They have come to thy door. Wilt thou turn them away empty-handed? Those whose hearts are breaking with sadness and despair, dry their scalding teardrops with thy invisible hand. Those who are lost in delusion, to whom shall they turn but to thee? Lift thine unseen veil of silence and appear in thy overwhelming divine compassion before the dawn, the coming of the dawn of thy presence all their dark troubles will take wing. Well, we're going to not focus too much, maybe just tangentially on our topic this week, the reading, and focus more on how Swamiji was an embodiment of the paragraph, the passage from the Gita, which says that he who is full of, free of uh, desire, free of anger, free of fear. He is the one who is one of true discernment. And how was that discernment manifested in Swami's life? In many ways, but I'd like to focus on one in particular, and that's divine love and compassion. You know, as a child, Swami tells us in The New Path, his autobiography, his mother would read to him stories and when the hero was having a trouble, having a difficult time, she'd point to the picture, the illustration in the book, and little Swamiji, little Donald Walters, his lip would quiver and his eyes would fill with tears, and he would say, poor this, poor this. But from very young in life, that deep compassion, that deep desire to alleviate the suffering of others, was the keynote of his life. And as we know, after reading Autobiography of a Yogi nonstop for several days and completing it, on the bus ride out to Los Angeles to meet our great Guruji, Swami's two wishes were to find God and to share him with all, to alleviate the sufferings. That was what motivated his life. And we see it in so many different ways. But then, towards the end of his life, the music he wrote, and last night, I think, or yesterday afternoon, the concert was such a musical tribute to the evolution of Swamiji's music and his consciousness. And if you didn't get a chance to come, it was recorded, and please take the opportunity to listen to it. But... We heard that towards the end of his life, Swamiji was asked by a reporter, what, is, what do you consider your greatest accomplishment in life? And he replied, love is a magician, the song that we heard. And I like to think that he didn't just mean the song. He meant 
the transforming power of divine love that he was able to share with others in so many beautiful ways. And as we heard in the excerpt yesterday from his 80th birthday talk, he said, "I when we love someone, we create a connection with them from our higher self to their higher self, and I love everyone. And so he had that connection of love for everyone, but it was also expressed, and this is the miracle and the magnificent thing, it was expressed in the way that our souls needed it, individually and in the highest way. Once, many years ago, we were at a Kriya initiation that he led, and afterwards a small group stood with him, and he shared with us an interesting experience he had. He said, I've never experienced this before at a Kriya initiation, but as each one of you came up, I felt, and I blessed you, I felt the unique way that you, each one of you individually would find God. And I thought about that. I've thought about it for decades. What did he experience? And what was he perceiving in that just moment in time when he blessed each one of us? But that's how his love reflected to us. It wasn't just a familial love of having tea or going to dinner or uh, the way friends and relatives love us. He was loving us to heal us, to heal us of our delusions, our particular delusions. And it wasn't that anyone was special to him. He said that to me once when I was in a delusory mood where I was feeling I wasn't getting enough of his attention. And he looked at me rather impersonally and rather correctively, and he said, Davy, you need to understand no one is special to me. I am not even special to myself. And But nevertheless, did that make him cold and unfeeling? Quite the contrary. He found the way to express love and continues to. That's the important thing for each of us as quoting Master, quoting Jesus, to as many as received him, would he give those blessings? Would he give that love? And so that's what we need to go deep with, to find, remember those of us who had moments with him, those of us who have only been touched by his consciousness through a book or music or listening to his spoken word, try to feel How was his love coming to me, and what was it healing me from? Not just to feel good about yourself, not just to feel, oh, I've got a special friend, or I'm important, any of those things. But it was a part of his service. Really, that's all it was. It was the healing that love is a magician, and he knew that. And he knew if he would express love to each of us, and I'll give you some examples of what I mean. There was, this was a story we heard from Narayani that took place in India. And 
Swami had just returned from a long to India from a long airplane flight, and he was a little stiff in his body. This was towards the end when his body was riddled with pain, and he uh, someone suggested that a young uh, man who was a masseuse, a massage therapist, come and give him a treatment. Swami said, "Yes, maybe that would help me." And so this young man came to the house and he gave Swamiji a treatment. Swamiji said, "That was very helpful, but why don't you use a massage table? It's hard for you to do it on the the bed that I sleep on." And the young man said, "Well, sir, you see, I don't have much money. I." Uh, married and have a young family and I can't afford a massage table. Swami had never seen him before. He said, I will give you the money. And so the man was surprised and he said, go and find out how, Swami said to him, go find out how much it costs. And the young man went and he came and uh, first he told Swami he thought it uh, cost a certain amount and Swami said, well find out how much and I will give you that money. And the young man came back and he said, Oh, Swamiji, I can't, you don't even know me. I can't ask you to do this. I, it costs much more than I had thought. Swami said, I want to give this to you. He gave the man, the young man the money. I don't think he, maybe he saw him again once or twice. I don't really know. But as the man was leaving, he stopped and he was just weeping. And he said, I was an orphan. I grew up on the streets of Delhi. And I always prayed to know a father's love. That's what I felt was the most lacking in my life. He said, the massage table is incidental, not important. But no one ever cared about me to help me. And he said, in Swamiji's love, I felt that father's love in that moment. Love is a magician. That's what that young man needed for his healing so he could move forward in life. The massage table didn't matter. Another instance of that healing power that Swami was able to tune into, how to heal through love. And this was a story that was told last year by one of our members. She's currently... She's not here today uh, because she's with our Ananda High School girls uh, on their trip to the orphanage in Mexico. But since she told it, it was Ridaya. I, I can tell it publicly, too. Early on in her time at Ananda, she was had a, married at the time to her first husband. And he was a very good man. And he said, well, let's leave. Let's leave Ananda. And she really didn't want to leave. She felt this was her home. But against her better judgment, she went along with him. And things, they traveled. She kept in touch with one person here who had a contact point for her. And they traveled here and they traveled there. Things got worse and worse. And their money was running out. They couldn't find work. They were living up in rural Oregon in a little shack that had a telephone out in the outhouse. And she was so deeply in despairing. Deep, I've, in, and in her heart she knew, I've left my home in God. How will I ever find my way back there? And one evening, it was raining, it was cold. If you can imagine this, she was walking out to the outhouse and the phone rang, and it was Swamiji. 
He had gotten the number through the one contact she had here, and he simply said to her, Isn't it time to come home? She said, I fell on my knees, and I said, Yes, Swamiji, I'm coming home. And that marriage dissolved, and she has rebuilt a new and very happy and meaningful life here. But that's the love is a magician when it isn't just about you and me and how happy we are to be with each other, but the love that is shared that helps us to overcome our fears, our delusions. A simple story from my own life. As you most of you know, Jyotish and I do a lot of traveling, a lot of staying in strange places, and this wasn't easy for me. I, I was someone, I basically, a little shy, not that used to relating to people. And we were in Italy, visiting Swamiji and our dear friends there, and they had planned a trip to Moscow for us, which I really didn't want to go to Moscow. <laughs> so, and we were, uh, this was about 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, And at that time, we were watching CNN news, and the ruble collapsed right before we were going to go in. So we were watching CNN news, and there were rioting and lines at the bank and run on. And I just think, I don't want to go there. How can we go there? And Swamiji, picking up that thought in me, kept saying, do you really want to go to Moscow? (laughs) And I said, no, Swamiji, I don't want to go to Moscow. And it kept getting worse and worse. And finally, it was the day before our tickets. And he looked at me and he said, do you, fearfully, he was just projecting my own consciousness, do you really want to go to Moscow? (laughs) And I said, Swami, I don't want to go, but I don't think we can disappoint the people. They've set up this big program. And he then he changed his whole demeanor. He got very strong in himself and he looked at me and he said, of course you have to go. You've made a commitment. And the trip was fine. It not, not, everything was fine. And we made many wonderful connections. And through the support of many devotees here, we have a strong work in Moscow and Russia. But it was that he was, the love he was giving, as long as I was weak, he kind of, all right, I'm not going to challenge her. But when I began finding, I need to do my duty, whether I like it or not. Then he showed me that kind of love that says, duty. I dreamt, read the beautiful poem from Tagore, I slept and dreamt that life was duty, was beauty. I woke and saw that life was duty. I slept once more and awoke and saw that life was beauty. And that's what Swami, through his love, he gave so many of us the courage just to do our duty joyfully, knowing that the love and the support of his presence was in our sails. It was moving us forward. And it wasn't, and so, yes, he's physically not with us anymore, but is that love and support in our sails, is that no longer there? I don't need to answer that question. You know the answer. Of course it's there. 
And I believe, as many have said, it's there more powerfully now. But to find that love now on a more transcendent level, on a more free level, and to understand that he's drawing us now. He can't go out and have barbecues by the pool. He can't travel here and there and have wonderful celebrations and book launches. But he can still be the magician of love and transform our lives through that in the way we need it. You know, there's. I'll just close with this story, and then Jatish will also share a few words. There's a beautiful story from the life of Buddha. And at this stage in his life, he was living in the Deer Park. That was the ashram where he and his close disciples gathered, and he would give discourses, and people would come. And one day, a beautiful courtesan came. And she approached the Buddha rather provocatively, and she said, will you come to visit me in my pleasure garden? And he looked at her, and he said, yes, my beloved, I will come. And the disciples were horrified. Our teacher, our guru, our enlightened Buddha is going to the pleasure garden of the courtesan? How can this be? And But time went, she left, and time went by, And Buddha never went there, and it was forgotten. And one day, he and his disciples were deep in meditation, and he came out of his deep meditation, and he said to those around him, I must go now. My beloved, the courtesan, is calling me. And they thought, oh dear, what's going to happen now? (laughs) And he quickly went to her pleasure garden, but there she was. She was dying. She was ravaged by a disease. Her beauty was gone. Her youth was gone. All of her uh, followers had ceased to support her. She was alone. And he came. On the, she was lying on the ground, ravaged by disease. And he took her in his arms. And he said, My beloved, I have come. And she knew what that divine love, not the love of personality, of attraction, of youth, of beauty. But she knew the divine love of that friend who can transform our lives. And this is the love that Swamiji brought to each of us. Let us call to him always, Come, come into my heart. Be with me, my beloved. I am yours eternally. I'll say just a few words. That love that Swamiji expressed was not his. It was God's. It was divine love. In fact, everything is God's. Everything is divine love, wisdom, joy. Everything belongs to the divine. But what the great ones understand is that if they act as a channel for divine love in this case then that divine love flows through them and they become filled with divine love if they think oh 
Divine Mother, love me, love me. Oh, Master, look at me. Oh, Master, give something to me and hold up their little cup like this. It's not that Divine Mother won't fill that cup. It's not that Master won't pour his love into that cup. But how much can a little cup hold? A cup full. How much can a whole how much can a hose that becomes a channel for that flow hold? It can hold an ocean full. One time Swamiji said to Master, Master help me love like you love. And Master looked at him and said, How can a cup hold the whole ocean? And a cup can't, our cup can't. Swamiji's cup couldn't, if he thought of it as a cup. But if if he thought of himself as a channel for that divine love, then that love flowed through him, and that love made him the magician. It's said that there's, during the Middle Ages, the great minds, including Newton and many, many others, searched and searched. They were alchemists, and they searched for something called the Philosopher's Stone. The Philosopher's Stone was reputed to be able to take base metal and turn it into gold. Of course, they understood that it also had a higher meaning to it. They were trying to find something in nature that would transform them into something higher. And so there was this whole search for the Philosopher's Stone. But Master said that the Guru comes in a different way. He comes not to help you find the Philosopher's Stone that will turn base metal into gold, but to become like the Guru himself, to become that which is already turned to gold, and is a channel for everything. And so, if we dedicate our lives to being a channel of love, and it can express itself in many ways, it doesn't have to express itself just in kind of the Hollywood concept of love. More often it will express itself through kindness. I saw Swamiji most often love through kindness. As we heard in this story of the young man in the massage table. But that young man wasn't the only stranger. Swamiji had a habitual pattern of sharing love with people. He would walk down a street and he would see someone who needed love We were with him one time in Los Angeles, walking down a street, and there was an old lady walking the other direction. And as so many old people seemed to be, she seemed to be kind of collapsed in on herself and looking down and kind of feeling the sense that one had looking at her was that she was pretty much used up and unwanted by the world. And Swamiji came up, said, what a beautiful scarf. Just 
finding an excuse, a way that she could accept love. I mean, if he'd come up and said, hi, I love you, <laughs> that, that would have not been the window through, through which she could receive. But he just looked and saw what is the way that she can receive light, receive love, receive kindness. What a beautiful scarf that is. I love that color. It makes makes me happy when you wear a color that's so beautiful. And she went on, not feeling alone and not feeling as if the world didn't care for her anymore. We can all be that kind of channel. We can all find ways daily to express the divine love that has been given to us and that is so strong and so palpable in this community and in this work. Why? Because Master infused Swami and Swami infused all of us. And that gift is a gift beyond any treasure we could have. But if we clutch that treasure to ourselves, it will dry up and evaporate. If we share it with others, if we see it as, see ourselves as a channel for love and kindness and compassion, we have the whole ocean of divine love and glory at our backs.